making financial decisions in our life, that's an everyday decision that we make, even when we're teenagers, but definitely after we graduate from high school and go on into the real world. We make financial decisions every day, even if that decision is just, today I'm not going to start saving more. Today I'm not going to start saving for retirement. Today I'm not gonna look for a side hustle. Those are still decisions. Uh, but even if you just go out and buy a sandwich for lunch, that's a financial decision. Um, and health is the same way. We obviously all make health decisions every day of our life forever. Uh, the interesting thing is health is a required class for high school graduation in the state of Colorado. I can't speak for other states, but I'm pretty sure it's the same. Personal finance is not. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Dan, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and, and chat a little bit about personal finance. I, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, this is We've actually tried to connect a couple of times and you are a school teacher uh, that's getting back and we were just talking beforehand to how crazy um, teaching right now is in, in the midst of, of COVID. And so uh, props to you. Thank you for being on the front lines and, and just being so passionate about that. But the reason we, we got connected is one of our mutual friends, Russ, um, connected us because we both live in Denver. Um, and he also is like, this guy, talking about you, this guy is just so passionate about teaching younger kids about money. And you're coming out with a book that I want to touch on. You're a contributor for The Bigger Pockets. Um, you have a blog called Sheik's Freaks. You have a mastermind that I've had the pleasure of speaking to, to high school students uh, and young professionals that like really want to get this money thing figured out. You teach in school financial independence. We talked a little bit about the lack of financial education in the school system. So again, I don't have an, a, a clear cut agenda. I'm just glad that you're on and I know that um, it's going to be really beneficial for the people listening to hear your thoughts because uh, we spent a, we spent over two hours talking one time on on some money topics and it was just like wow um, I wish that was recorded because uh, it was a really yeah, powerful yeah. time. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy to be here, Caleb. Um, I, I definitely uh, appreciate the opportunity. I, I think I think you and I are very similar in that we I think we're doing a lot of what we do for the right reasons. We're, we're just we're just out there trying to help people live their best life. Um, my focus happens to be on young people. I am a high school teacher. That's, that's my passion is working with teenagers. Um, also have a passion of personal finance, the fire movement and real estate investing. So you combine all that together and that's, that's where the Sheik's Freaks came from and, and that's what the book's gonna be about. Uh, so yeah, if any of your listeners out there um, if they are of that age, I, I kind of say my little niche is 15 to 25. Um, but if they're, if they're that age or they know somebody that age, maybe they have children that age, uh, send them my way and, and Sheik Streaks will, will give them some good stuff to work with. And, and yeah, it's all about just giving back. It's, it's so interesting because 15 to 25, so I'm not quite 25 yet, um, but I've started making big life decisions at the age of 16. Like, like when I'm saying like working, I started actually working when I was 15 at the chicken farm, but I started driving. I started listening to audible books, listen to podcasts. And it's so crazy because like, I'm still in that window and so many decisions um, are made and they really determine 
how we're going to spend the rest of our life. Not, not saying if you're 45 listening to this or 60, you, yeah. you got time. It's just in a different stage. And I think we can all admit that from 15 to 25 is such crucial time. I just want to highlight this before we go into your backstory. Um, what is your mastermind that you do with the kids? Is that part of Sheik's Freaks? It is. So I, I call it uh, a Sheik's Freaks mastermind group. It is, uh, it's an awesome, amazing group of young people. Uh, there's 20 in the group. They are from all around the United States. They are 15 to 20 years old. Um, what brought us together was uh, real estate investing. So all of those particular young people, they are, they are interested in side hustles. They are interested in savings rates. They are interested in personal finance and early financial independence, but they're real interest with, with all of that is to purchase real estate at, starting at a young age. Um, and that's, that's kind of when you, when you focus into a real narrow niche, that's, that's where I love to spend the most time. So uh, those students are those calm students, but those young people are all, uh, they all have a goal to buy real estate right around the age of 20 or 21, I would say. Um, some of them are only 15, so it's, it's going to be a ways, but I'm just kind of mentoring them and, facilitating uh, them so they can get there. Uh, and we, we do have a weekly Zoom meeting on Sundays and you've been a guest on that. Super happy to have you. Had some other guests, um, and, but usually we just meet and we talk about, yeah. last week our, our topic was happiness and contentness. I love it. How can I, that trans, transform your life into better thinking and early financial independence? Yeah, I, I love it. amazing kids. The reason why I wanted to point that out is you you opened up by saying, I really believe that our my heart and your heart are like in it for the right reasons. And that was an example. Like you're not doing it for a personal moneymaker. You're doing it. Be, no. And it was clear to me that I was in there and you were just, you're just mentoring these kids and you're putting up, giving them a platform and you're being proactive and it takes time and it takes energy. And man, I commend you. I, I yeah. commend you. I want to talk about I want to talk about a lot of things, but I want to give your backstory. Um, and, and so if you were in an elevator and we had 150 stories, so, okay, we got some time, but it's, it's, we're going to hit this, the top story. How would you kind of give context to your story, why you got into the education system, why you're such a big fan of real estate and money, why you're going to end up writing a book? And, and like, so how, how did you get, how did that journey look like? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep this part short because I definitely want to spend a lot more time talking about uh, what's going on now. But the backstory would be, uh, I, never, I never did want to be a teacher um, when I was going through high school and college. I actually made fun of some of my friends who were majoring in education and wanted to be teachers. I, I thought that was just kind of ridiculous. But um, I started teaching at age 29, so got, got into education a little bit late. Um, had a business degree, a marketing degree. Uh, from college, um, and I just decided that you know, as, as you grow and you mature, you really what what you think is important in life does change. For me, that was definitely true. Uh, so, when I was in high school and college, my goal was just to make as much money as I could. I wanted to be rich, right? And then, as I matured a little bit, I, I realized that what's much more fulfilling and rewarding is to be of service, to have a job of that you're, you're giving back and you're helping people. And then teaching just kind of seemed to fall in to my lap. And so I got my, my license. Um, I've been teaching in Colorado. This is my 18th year. I've always taught business classes, mostly marketing, but now I do teach personal finance. And I would say the shift for me 
where I really started saying, hey, I want to give back to young people and teach them early financial independence strategies. That kind of came around, I'd say about three, maybe four years ago. Um, really when my wife and I started diving into that community kind of full on. And we, we got into the Bigger Pockets community. I started listening to the Choose FI community. Um, those two main, main communities combined, we, we learned so much ourselves. And when we're, we're very, very uh, grateful, and I, I would say lucky that we financially are in a, a really good place um, because we've made some good decisions and we've made some good investments. Uh, so this is all just about giving back and kind of just rewinding my life. And if someone would have came to me in high school and said, here's, here's some things you should know uh, and, and then do with that what you will. I, I, I would never tell anyone, especially a young person, here's what you should do. But I, what I will do is say, here are some options for you. And then you choose what would work best for you based on your own interests and, and goals. Um, but I think as we know, our society and definitely I think our educational system sets young people on the goal of go to high school, go to, go to college, work till you're 65, retire. And young people and even a lot of adults don't know that there is another option and that is the early financial independence route. Um, so I just try to educate young people on that and then leave it up to them to decide how they want to use that information. Right, right. It's definitely... Um, it, it, we've been taught that you, the traditional route, and I think people are starting to look at their parents or starting to just look at where people are at and saying, man, there may be a, a better way. There may be a different way. And it's so interesting to me because money affects every single human being. Like whether you, whether you listen to this podcast or not, you're going to be affected by, by money. And you can say that you can't say that about a lot. Like health is up there and a couple other subjects, but the end of the day, it's requirement to go take your sciences, go to do math and do some other things. And I'm not saying anything wrong about that. I'm just saying it's kind of ironic that we don't really have anything um, or any great education. And I don't want to throw rocks at the education system. I'm just asking a fellow educator, um, what, what, when you look back on like the, the system and as, as someone who's passionate about helping um, rise the tide what what number one what is the problem and then number two what do you think good solutions are are and, and what are you working on to help that because again i see this from a lot of people it's like why didn't i get taught this in school even in college by the way i have a business degree yeah. and what i learned in financial planning is how to do time value of money i so i just assumed going out of college if i mean i didn't because i knew but it's like you're in a college student you just assume that stock market magically gets you 12% and you know how to calculate that, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think personal finance is not taught uh, and it's not taught in high school at the level it should be. And, and in college, you know, a lot of people think, well, you'll get that in college. No, um, very, very few colleges offer a personal finance course. Many of them, if not every school that has a business program will offer corporate finance or something along those lines. So colleges will teach you how to manage money for the business you work for, but they will not teach you how to manage your own money, which I think that's step one and, they, and it just gets glossed over. So you, know, you ask the question, kind of what's wrong with our educational system and how would I change it? I, I think we could go into a, a, a big detour if we went down that, um, 
completely down that route. But I'll just say, first of all, there's, there's a lot of things that's right, that are right about our educational system, but there are some things that are not. Um, and you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, personal finance is something that we all need and, and you compared it to health, right? So I, I, I tell my students and I tell my, anybody who will listen, making financial decisions in our life, that's an everyday decision that we make even when we're teenagers but definitely after we graduate from high school and go on into the real world, we make financial decisions every day. Even if that decision is just today, I'm not going to start saving more today. I'm not going to start saving for retirement today. I'm not going to look for a side hustle. Those are still decisions. Um, but even if you just go out and buy a sandwich for lunch, that's a financial decision. Um, and health is the same way. We obviously all make health decisions every day of our life forever. Uh, the interesting thing is health is a required class for high school graduation in the state of Colorado. I can't speak for other states, but I'm pretty sure it's the same. Personal finance is not. Uh, you, it's a long way from being that. Do you know why? Like, why is that the case? Like, what's the pushback? There, there's, there's not one reason. The, I, I, think, I think it comes down to, unfortunately, what a lot of things in education come down to. Number one, some politics are involved. And then number two, money. Um, and it is no secret that public education in our country is hurting for funding. And the, the coronavirus and the, the aftermath of that has only cut budgets for education when they were already extremely low to begin with. So it's tough to add requirements when there's no money to, and even less money to do that. Um, and then another reason, honestly, I think is, it's this kind of the mentality of, well, I did it this way, so you should do it that way. Yeah. You know, if yeah. grandpa's saying, I worked, I walked uphill in the snow, yeah. three miles of school, uphill both ways, and right. so you should have to do that too. And right. So when you, the decision makers who have the yeah. ability to make personal finance required, they look at their lives, and these decision makers are usually pretty successful, well-educated people, and I think they tend to think, well, I didn't have personal finance education yeah. when I was in high school or college. And, and I turned out okay. Yeah. I have a great job and I'm, I'm set and I'm going to retire at 65 and I have a good life. So yeah. it really isn't needed. But what they don't understand is if you would have had the personal finance education, how much better would your yeah. life be right yeah. now? How much more freedom would you have with your money and, and stress and stuff like that? So. And you can even get a little more philosophical about the need for personal finance. But I would say those are the two or three main reasons, the, the politics behind it, uh, the, the money, and, yeah. and the idea that, well, if I didn't have it, and, I, and I'm, I'm okay, then you should have to. But the unfortunate thing is the families and the young students who need personal finance education the most, those students come from families who have the least knowledge yeah. already and, and it does fall on parents since the schools aren't doing it yeah. it falls on parents and the parents in these uh well just just look at just look at the traditional statistics right now in, Amer in america yeah. like if if our parents as a whole are teaching the next generation about money we're not in a good we're not in a good position and that's that's yeah. the sad thing and it's just a there's not, you can't, you're totally right. I'm, I'm glad you answered it that way. You can't just point to one thing and be like, this is the problem. It's, yeah. it's, there's a, it's, it's the compound effect. And it's one of those things where there's, I don't remember half the things I learned in, in, in high school. 
But I will say I had to do math every single year. I had to do certain sciences every single year. I did English. And so there's, there's something about, you know, doing not just having a check, check the box, but actually integrating it into our culture. That's a, maybe we can, maybe we can have a whole nother podcast on that. But you are, you, you do teach a personal finance class in high school. Is that correct? I do. So, so the classes are out there uh, in most, in most states, in most districts, it is, it's an elective class. Um, There are, by the way, there are some states, a handful, I'd say about 15, some states do require a personal finance class for high school graduation and kudos to them. They they get it. Uh, Most states don't. I want to I want to transition to if you're a parent listening to this or if you're someone in the in, young listening to this and they went to your class and I'm a big fan of the of the app Belinkus <laughs> it takes a whole book summary it gives you 15 minutes if you had to d- take a blink style approach to a whole semester of personal finance what are the things that you cover and why and I think this could be potentially the most impactful portion in our show because it's like here personal finance. I love that you said it's like you're learning how to do X, run other um, people's books, but it's like you, you don't know how to run your own life as it relates yeah. to money. What is like the, the Cliff Notes version of what you go through uh, in class? Uh, so the personal finance class I teach, um, and I, I should just say, so I teach at a large school. And since it is an elective, roughly 5% of our graduates will have taken that class. So it's far from 100%. Uh, but we you know we, it's, it's a basic level class. You know, we, we start off with just financial planning, setting financial goals, long-term and short-term and what that looks like. Uh, we then get into basic concepts like checking accounts, savings accounts. Um, we, we do things like personal budgets, tracking your expenses, uh, income statements and balance sheets for your own personal financial life. Um, then we get into credit cards, credit scores. Uh, and so a lot of that stuff, that's just basic personal finance that honestly, a lot of adults just don't get, you know, what does it look like to rent a house or or an apartment versus to buy a house? And what are the pros and cons of that decision? And what do retirement uh, accounts and investments look like? And when should you start? And we absolutely talk about the compounding effect, um, and the time value of money. And we, we get through a lot of the basic stuff, but then towards the end of the semester, we get into what I really like to cover. And so I, I kind of start the semester off using the model of, all right, we're, you know, you're expected to work till you're 65. I definitely give them teasers that, hey, there are other options and we'll talk about those. So, but, so towards the end of the semester, when we've covered enough of the basics that they have a solid understanding of how money works, we then get into, okay, now what is that other option? How can you set yourself up for early financial independence? What are the strategies and, and concepts behind uh, you know, real estate investing, index, index fund investing, savings rate that's you know, closer to 40% rather than the average of 5% and, and tracking your net worth over time? And what is your phi number? We get into that stuff towards the end, um, which is, I feel like that's that's the fun stuff. That's the passion work. Yeah, that that's like the reason why you do this. It's like, yeah, stick with me, but then I promise at the end I'm going to teach yes. you how to take these savings yeah. and the discipline and how you're going to cash out. Yeah. Um, you mentioned fine number. I know you're also big into the fire movement. Um, I want to talk about that 
pros and cons before we transition to real estate and, and your book. And I'm sure the book covers a lot of what we're going to be talking about. Um, but w- so here's my, here's my thoughts on the fire movement. Amazing discipline. They're, they're, they're also very minimalistic, right? So they're saving 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60% or more of their savings. And they're, uh, the traditional place to put them is a Vanguard index fund. I know that, that some people do real estate. Obviously, you could, you could have put, essentially put that money anywhere. And the idea is to retire when you're way before the age of 65 because you've done such a great job saving and investing that now you get to live off of your money. So that's, that's like the basic overview for the listeners to like, that's my understanding. What, is, what are the pros to that? And what are, what are some potential cons that you also see people going into that, that, that movement, uh, what they might be missing? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I am a big supporter and member of the FIRE movement, FIRE community. Uh, and, and what you said was basically right. Um, it is about some discipline uh, early on. Um, mo- most of our, our society really teaches us if you make $50,000 a year, then you, you can spend 50, you deserve it. You should spend all that. If you make 100,000, spend 100. If you make a million dollars a year, spend a million dollars a year, buy the nice car, buy the house that you can afford that will fit into your budget. Don't buy the house that you need, buy, buy as big a house as you can get, buy the nice jewelry, the, the fancy dinners, the fancy vacations. Um, and, and by the way, so that is option one, right? That option will, will give you immediate gratification year after year after year. And it will, uh, I think if you're, if you're spending all your money, you're going to have to work a very long time to get to a place where you can retire. And let's just say that's 65. Uh, and most Americans, I think the average is 5% savings rate. And so well, and by the way, newsflash, most people aren't able to say retire at 65. Like they're just, they're yes. hosed across yes. the board. But yes, I, I hear you. Uh, that's the 65, 67 social security kicks in, but yeah, we- The number's we, going up and up, yeah. Yeah. And so the fire movement is about, and I'd say the pros are, it's just another option. It's just another way to look at how you manage your money. And so it is about being disciplined, but it is not about, I would say, sacrifice. And it's not about giving up the things that you value. It is definitely not that. And so using the term minimalist, I would say, isn't completely accurate. It's more about frugal. You're being frugal with your money. And and that is, you you spend money on the things you value. And you spend lavishly on the things that you value. But you don't spend money on the things that you don't really care about. I, uh, I, don't, I don't like, and actually I, don't, I prefer to live in a smaller space than a larger space. Uh, I drive a truck that's 10 years old and it's completely paid off, a Ford truck. Um, you know, my wife and I, we don't value going out to eat at expensive restaurants, so we just don't do that. We, we have the money to do that. We have the money to go on vacation and stay in, stay in really nice expensive hotels, but we prefer to spend that money more on experiences. So frugality is about spending lavishly, but only on the things that you value. And there are other strategies that you can employ to bring your, your annual expenses down. Um, the best strategy, because our, our largest expenses are housing expense. And there's a strategy out there called house hacking. And it is by far the best way to save money, especially when you're young. And I'll put a little plug in for a friend of mine, Craig Kurloff who is a bigger pockets guy has a book called the house hacking strategy and it's awesome. So if you're listening and you want to know more about that, get his book. 
but you can basically eliminate the largest expense from your life. And then how easy is it to bump that 5% savings rate up to 30 yeah. or 40? Yeah. Just that one strategy can get you there alone. And if you do yeah. that over a number of years, uh, you keep your expenses low. You don't let lifestyle inflation creep in on you, meaning the more you make, the more you spend. And you just, you have just a simple life. You, you still spend on the things you value, but you're not spending everything you make. Then that yeah. option will allow you to yeah. stop working way earlier in life. And I've seen people and I know people that have done it in their 30s and even in their 20s. Yeah. Uh, now, do they stop working? No, they, but they now, they now work because they want to and they work in the way that yeah. makes them happy and passionate. They're ultra intentional with our greatest resource and that's time. Like the most valuable yes. resource that we have is time and it's in it. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like most people are not like valuing the number one thing that is in their life. No, and so most people value the money and not right. the time. And so when I mentioned we uh, on the Zoom call with the Sheik Freaks Mastermind last week, we talked about happiness and contentness and embedded in that exercise was the idea that most people put too much emphasis and value on money yeah. and, and too, too little on time. Yeah. Because as you know, and as your book says, we only have so much time in our lives Right. then it's not going to increase no matter how hard we work or how much money we have. Right, right. I love that the, you said spend money on the things that you value. I, I actually put myself in this category. I'm not a part of the movement officially, but like I save a lot more than 10%. I am super frugal. <laughs> Ask anybody on our team or anyone that knows me. It's, it's almost a potentially too extreme. Um, and I just like, I just, I very much resonate with that. And it makes sense because if you have money, money to me is just a tool to, for freedom. And it's just like, man, like I want to, I want to be intentional, but if you're, if you're broke, you really can't be as intentional as, as you think you are unless no. it like, cause you are ultimately at the mercy of working in some system cause you have to. And I just think yeah. having wealth gives you options. And, and so I love that. Um, house hacking. I know you, you gave the teaser. I'll, I'll have to, I, I want to learn more, but like how do you, can you explain house hacking in two minutes and like some house hacks that you've done in your own life that have, that have like totally helped you with your biggest expense? Yeah, it's, it is a great strategy. And I, and I, like I said, it's, uh, it's employable for anyone, but definitely young people. Um, my, my wife and I, we had, we house hack right now. Uh, we have a house where we have a finished basement and there's a bedroom and a bathroom and a living space in the basement. And we don't ever go down there. So we rent that to a roommate. Um, she's awesome. And she shares our laundry. She shares a common entrance. And at times we share the same kitchen. Uh, she just doesn't happen to cook much. So that doesn't come into play, but, but she's welcome to use our kitchen. And you know, we generate a, a good chunk of extra income from renting out our basement. And it is a space that we would never, we would just never go down there. So that is, that is like a more of a simple way to house hack. Does it pay our entire mortgage? Absolutely not. But it does generate some good income. The, the, more, the more typical or I guess normal house hacking strategy would look like uh, buying a, a duplex or a triplex. You live in one unit, you rent out the other units. And the, the theory is, is that the rent you get from the other units will pay for the mortgage for all of the units, including the one you live in. So you're now living for free. You can do that in uh, a house. So I, I know people who buy houses with maybe three, four, five, six bedrooms. 
and they live in one bedroom and they rent out the other bedrooms. Um, and that rent from the other bedrooms pays for the mortgage on that, that house. So again, I think, you know, the average is most people spend about 35% of their uh, gross income on housing. That is by far our largest expense. Um, you have to go pretty far down the line to get to the next ones, which would be transportation, food, and that stuff. And so if you can eliminate or at least reduce that largest expense in your life, you're, you're well on your way to a high savings rate, which puts you on track for financial independence early in life. And I think, you know, you may not identify as a fire person, but it sounds like you're doing, you're doing all the strategies. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I, I, uh, I love it. And I have a couple of clients that are doing this. My, my sister actually is doing this as well. And right. it's, it's, it's a great model and it's, it's a lot, it builds the long-term equity as well. And it's just, it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword in a good way. Like it, 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 uh, it takes care of your living, but it also builds up a, a future equity asset for you to have options in the future. So love that. Let's, let's dive into housing in general. Cause I know that um, you're a teacher on paper, you wouldn't necessarily jump out to be like, Oh, this guy would be like a real estate mogul. And I'm not saying you're a real estate mogul. I'm just saying you have a pretty impressive real estate portfolio. And I think a common, um, you know, thing that people are ta- telling themselves is like, Oh, if I don't do this full time, I can't really do real estate or I can't do this. And I think you're a, just a good example of like, no, that's not true. So you talk about a little bit about your real estate journey. And then can we go into kind of the book that you're going to be writing? And I know it's not going to come out for another year, but my, my listeners will kind of get behind the scenes of the making of, yeah, of your future yeah. book. And so I, I would love that. Yeah, so real estate, um, for me, it really took off when I met my wife, uh, like from day one. She was already investing in real estate when we met, um, which was four years ago, maybe maybe closer to five, five years ago now. Uh, so she was already uh, investing in real estate, um, but had done it in California, and she had just moved to Colorado, to Denver, where I, where I live. And so when we met, she started transferring uh, those rental properties in California into Colorado. Um, and then we just, uh, honestly, what catapulted us was introduction to the bigger pockets community. And we found that probably four years ago and just ate it up. Uh, and we just turbocharged our real estate investing strategy and mindset. Um, and so now, yeah, we own properties in Colorado and, and out of state in, in Detroit, Michigan. Um, we're, we're not we don't want to own, you know, a hundred properties. We don't want to be doing big syndications. That's not our goal. Our goal is to do enough real estate combined with the investments we do have and a pension. Cause as a teacher, I will have a pension so that we can be comfortable, um, live, uh, not a simple life, but a satisfied life and, and not have to work until we're 65. And that's the path that, that we're on. And that's the path that makes us happy. Uh, and real estate is a big part of that for us. It doesn't have to be a part of early financial independence, but for us, it's what we like. Yeah. Let's talk about your book. And I think there's, a, I think it's very timely. And, and, I, and so let's talk about like the, the overview, the, the why you're even writing a book to begin with. And like, what are some of the nuggets that you're excited about? And, and I very much know that you may not even, may not even be done. Um, because how, how the book works, but, um, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. 
Sure. Yeah, the book is, uh, it, first of all, it's going to be targeted to teenagers. Um, I would say 15 to 19 years old. And it is, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a work in progress. I, I would say I'm about 75% done with the book. Um, and the remaining 25% is, is mapped out, outlined out. It's just a matter of I got to put pen to paper and get it done. Um, and, and, and like you said, it'll be coming out November of 2021. So it's going to cover, it's, it's going to introduce a teenager to the idea that the typical American dream, as we've already talked about, is one option, but not the only option. And it's going to introduce and explain the, another option to them. But like the same as what I do with my, my kids in my classroom, I say, you know, I, I want to give you both options, but then I want you to choose what's best for you. So this book is about explaining the other option of early financial independence, love that. how it works, how to get there. And then at the end of the book, I kind of just say, now that you know this, which very few people do, yeah. you choose what works best for you based on what you want to do with love your that. future and what you value most. If you, if you value you know, the immediate gratification of owning everything you can own and the experiences in the now, and you're okay working until you're 65, then by all means do that. There's nothing wrong with that path. It's a very noble way to live, to work that yeah. many years and, and contribute to our society. But if you'd like to have the option to not have to work and you're okay with making some choices that are more delayed gratification, you're okay being frugal, you're okay employing some strategies that not everybody may be comfortable with, like house hacking, then you get that freedom of your time back. So I walk them through some basic personal finance stuff. Um, not everything I would cover in my class at school, but uh, we definitely talk about credit cards and building a credit score um, and, and compounding interest. But then we, we pretty quickly get into the, the good stuff, which is yeah. um, what are the benefits of early financial independence? If you achieve early financial independence, what does that mean for you in your life now? Yeah. Uh, what could you do that you couldn't do if you had to work every day and you were living more a paycheck to paycheck lifestyle? Could you start a business that you're passionate about? Could you give back in some other way? Could you volunteer or do some work in another country to help other people less, less uh, um, privileged as you? And it's, uh, it's really just about presenting that option in a way that I think is going to entice, but yep. then leave the, this, the end decision up to them. And uh, something I haven't even mentioned to you, there's, there's so much in the book when I had the first draft, if you want to call it that, that I did, the publisher I'm working with came back and said, this is way too long. Oh, no. It's way too long for a book for an adult, yeah. let, let alone a teenager. So yeah. we, we kind of rehashed the whole idea. And there's going to be a part two. Cool. Whether that's going to be a book or a workbook, we're not quite cool. sure yet. So the book's going to be about the general ideas. And then yeah. part two, that product will be the actual um, specific action steps to take as you go, what should you do when you're 16? What should you do when you're 16 yeah. and a half? What should yeah. you do when you're 17, 18, 19 to get on that path? And there obviously will be some, some sidebars or some detours you can take. But uh, what students tell me is that, and, and we can argue that this isn't a good trait to have, but students just want to be, Tell me what to do, yeah. when to do yeah. it, and how to do it, and I'll do it. Yeah. You've got to give me, give me the roadmap. And so that's yeah. what the part two will look like. 
I, I love it. And what you're doing is you're equipping younger people. And I put myself in this, this category, but especially as I remember back, like as I'm in high school, I'm super eager. By the way, I don't even know if I'm like going to make it through college. I don't like, so I'm like, I really have a lot of questions about future. And if I could have had a book that walked me through like what it would look like to potentially retire at 45, 40, yeah. 35. Like a lot of times you just got to like give people that idea and then give them an option. And I'm, I'm really passionate about giving people choices. I think that's one of the definitions of wealth uh, to begin with. I, I got a question for a fellow educator. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts about college? And if, if you had students come to you, which I'm sure they ask you this all the time, should I go to college? How do you answer that question? That is, uh, that is the chapter of the book that was the hardest to write by yep. far. Uh, I have a chapter that's called college or no college. Um, and, and it's, you know, the, the easy answer is it depends. It's a personal choice. I would never tell anyone, yes, you should, or yes, you should not. Yep. You have to weigh all the factors and then make the choice that's best for you. Um, is, is college a mandatory piece of a successful life picture? Absolutely not. Um, can it help? Yes, it can. So, you know, you really have to, you, the, the young person, you know, if I'm writing to someone, I say, you really need to decide, is this the right choice for me? And why do I want to go to college? What's the real reason? If I'm just going to college because that's expected or, if I'm going to college, but I don't have a clear understanding of what I really want to study and what I really want to do after college, then it is a waste of money. You know, yeah. you, you need to stop and really say, uh, maybe, maybe a gap year is in order, or maybe, you know, you can always go back to college. Um, the, I think the worst case scenario is when a student goes to college with no clear defined path. Uh, they study for four or five years and they pay with student loans. That's how they finance it. They graduate from college. They're still as lost as they were when they came in. Yep. And now they have $50,000 of debt that they have to deal with. Yep. That's the worst case scenario. So in that chapter of the book, I say, if that's you, then don't go. I, yep. I can tell you that pretty clearly. You can go later um, yep. because college does have its benefits. Absolutely. But you need, if you're going to do it, you know, if, if you've known since the time you were 12 that yep. you wanted to be a doctor, 100%. you wanted to be a physician, yep. you need a college degree to do that. So you know what? Go for your dream yeah. and do that. But, but at the same time, realize what are the cons? Well, the cons are I'm going to be in school for, yeah. if you're a doctor, eight years. Opportunity costs. I'm going to have yeah. An, yeah. an intense amount of uh, loan debt, most likely when I get done. And I'm going to lose eight years of profit producing and, and other types of education. And, and I'd say this in the book. I say, when you, when you go into your job day one as a, as a doctor, your, your residency's done, everything's done, and now you're a doctor on day one, let's say you're 27, 20, I don't know, right around there, 27 years old, you should know that there will be peers of yours who have read this book and at 27 will be done working. You're starting and they're done. They've worked from 18 to 27 and now they're financially independent because they've done in those eight years different strategies. That does, does that mean your decision was wrong? Absolutely not. Yeah. But you need to understand those options and then again, decide what's best for you. Dan, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing and like, and passionately teaching because I couldn't agree more. Like I, I love it. If you're 18 years old listening to this or if you're 
you're listening to this episode and you have kids, please share this with them. Because I, I know, I just, I know that, that one idea can just get planted in someone's head and, and who knows where that can go. So I want to ask you um, a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, one question that I love asking, is there anything else that you want to cover in the things that we've talked about? Because I know a lot of times there's a lot going on in your head. Is there anything that you want to like go back to or, or touch, touch on before we, we move on? Uh, I don't think so. I just, I, I keep reiterating to, to everyone who will listen how important personal finance education is, even just the basics. Yep. And so if anybody listening can go out there and um, I'll, I'll give them an assignment because I'm a teacher, <laughs> call, call your, your school principal, yep. call your superintendent, call your school board members, and just tell them that personal finance as a class should absolutely be a requirement for high school graduation. Yeah, I love that. How how do you define better wealth? Better wealth as in my life or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's a good question. I think I'd start by saying that wealth, the word wealth, I think is, is misconceived by a lot of people. Um, they, they think it's just, it's money. How much money do you have in the bank account? That's your wealth. Uh, for me, wealth would include money. Yes. Financial stability. Yes. But it's so many other things. Um, it's your health, it's your relationships, it's your spiritual connection. It's, uh, your friends and your family around you. Um, so better wealth for me would be balance of all of those things. Uh, and, and hopefully getting to a place in your life where, you control your money, not the other way around. Yeah. And that, that allows you to really be happy, I think. What, what's the biggest mistake you've made financially in your life? Uh, I've, made, I've made my share. Um, the biggest, I would say, I would say student loans. Um, when I was an undergrad and then I also got my graduate degree, I was offered student loans by the government because uh, of my financial situation both times. And I, I took the money and even though I didn't necessarily need it, I took it and spent it on whatever. I have no idea anymore. And so when I was finally done with school, uh, I, I had student loans for undergrad. I had student loans for when I went back to school to get my teaching license. And I had student loans round three when I got my master's degree and they all got consolidated and I don't want to tell the number because it's kind of embarrassing for, for a public educator. It was a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and mm. so paying those off, um, really handicapped my, my financial picture for a long, long, long time. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's a question I'm starting to ask all the guests that come on because a lot of times people put everybody, including myself on a pedestal. And mm. there's a, sometimes a reason why we're so passionate. I'll just put, I'll yes. just point that out yeah. because we're like, if I would have known, if you would have read your book at 18, 19, it, 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 your life would have looked a little bit different. Um, a lot different, yeah. Favorite book um, that, you, that you have? That's also a general question, but I love asking it. Uh, favorite book of any kind? Yes. Um, I, I, I don't read a lot of nonfiction, uh, uh, read a lot of fiction. I'm, I'm really just a nonfiction guy. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big book reader. I never have been. Um, 
I, I do read a lot of blog post articles and, and things of that nature. But uh, I'd say the right now, as I think about it, I probably would have three if I can name three. And they all have to do with uh, you know, financial independence or personal finance. Um, the Millionaire, millionaire Next Door um, was eye-opening about the concept that you can either look rich or you can be rich. That's how I sum that book up in a sentence. It's your choice. You can either look rich or you can be rich. And I would say, actually, you can either look wealthy or be wealthy financially. Um, and then also Rich Dad Poor Dad was a game changer for, for me and a lot of other people. Uh, and then Set for Life, which is a Bigger Pockets book, Scott Trench, um, really was, when I read that book, in my mind, I think, pretty early on, I thought, this is what needs to be told to teenagers in a teenager way. Because Set for Life is, is really for like 25 to 45-year-old people who are out there in the real world slogging away. And I just knew there needed to be, there needed to be a version of that for the teenager. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I love ending my podcast with the legacy question because I think it wraps everything up and it, and it goes like this. If this is your last day on earth, and you were with the people that you love the most, what would you make sure to communicate through that last conversation? You couldn't give them any real estate or any possessions. All you could do is just give them the wisdom of, of your life. What would that conversation be like? Another heavy question, Caleb. Good job. Uh, I, I think it would be a lot about um, pushing your ego aside and really living life being of service to others. Because uh, I think that's what really, really, when you get down to it, when I'm my most happiest, I'm being of service to others. And I think, honestly, I think that's a big part of why I decided to be a teacher um, was I knew that I'd be making a difference. So lead your life in a way that when you're done, you, you, are, you know you made a difference. You know you helped people live their best life. I love that answer. Dan, how can people find more about you? How can they be in your world so that when you come out with the book, um, and we'll definitely have you back on, but I, I, want, yeah. I want to support what you're doing. And I know there people can learn right now more about your movement and what you're building. Yeah, the, the best thing is to get on board with the community I've started for young people. Uh, and I call it Sheik's Freaks, which is a funny name. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, my, my last name is Sheik's. The, the freak part of it comes from, uh, one, I think it's memorable. And to be honest, if you are young, 15 to 25, and you spend time and energy researching and learning about money to improve your financial future, you are not normal. Yeah. Young people don't do that. You are abnormal. You are different. You are unique. So you are kind of a freak, but in a very good way. So that's where the freak comes from. So the community is called Sheik's Freaks. Uh, there's, there's three main platforms right now. There's a blog site, uh, sheiksfreaks.com, uh, and lots of articles on there, blog posts that are really just for that young person. Um, some of them are very basic. Some of them get a little bit more in-depth. Uh, about personal finance and also financial independence, uh, early financial independence. And then there's an Instagram, Sheik's Freaks on Instagram. And then we just are promoting, starting to promote now our uh, YouTube channel, Sheik's Freaks. And uh, we've got a number of good videos on there. And uh, it's, it's at a place now where I'm comfortable 
showing it to people and asking people to subscribe. So anyone listening, please subscribe to the YouTube, follow the Instagram and check out the blog site. That'd be great. I love it. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm grateful that you're in my life and I'm grateful to continue to share, encourage, inspire uh, people to live their best lives and have money be a tool to be able to live that out. So thank you, man. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I love everything about Better Wealth and look forward to connecting for a long time to come. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.